and a ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, O come, thou Lord of might, who to thy tribes on Sinai's height in ancient times didst give the law. In cloud and majesty and awe, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O So good morning listeners and welcome to Sacred Space 102FM, which is a Common Sea Inspirations production, being produced here in our Common Sea studio here in Ada. And it's the 13th of December, it's the third Sunday in Advent. And my name is John Kelly. And help me to keep me somewhat organised today, um, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John. How are we keeping? Well, not too bad. Thanks a lot, Shane, for joining me. And of course, Shane echoes what I, uh, I'm going to say as well. We also want to welcome especially those listeners who are housebound. We always say it in this program. It's one of the main reasons why we continue with this program. We, we, we remember those people who just can't get out of the house at all. Uh, they're lonely, they're struggling. Maybe they can't get access to internet. Maybe they can't follow the things that might be happening these days. But stay with us for the next hour and we'll try and bring you some hope. 
some good music and of course the word of God in the gospel in part three. Thank you indeed for the prayers you support us with each week. So our program is broadcast in West Limit 102 uh, FM at 10 a.m. and 11 p.m. each Sunday. And the 10 a.m. slot uh, includes Mass from Abbeyfield Parish. And 11 p.m., of course, is where our usual program is broadcast. The podcast of this and all our, all our programs that we've done here are available on our podcast station, our podcast platform, Come and See Inspirations at buzzprep.com. I know that's a big phrase. Just Google Come and See Inspirations and you'll find us there. We're also available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and other platforms. If you do want to contact us and bleed, we'd invite you to do that. You can text us on 087-6088-667. That's 087-6088-667. Or email inspirations at gmail.com. At this point in our programme, as usual, we'll invite Shane to share with us some saints for the week. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. And as John said at the top of the programme, today, of course, is the third Sunday of Advent, which, of course, means it is Gaudate Sunday. It takes its name from the opening prayer of the Mass. And the tradition is that today, uh, like Laudate Sunday in Lent, we would have a break from the violet or the purple of Advent with the with the rose rose candle, of course, in the in the Advent wreath. And also in some parishes, um, there might even be rose vestments. So it's not very common, actually, in West Limerick. Um, so as I said, Gaudate Sunday today, third Sunday of Advent. Looking at the liturgical calendar for the coming week, we are looking at Psalter. Um, for those praying the Psalter, we're on week three. Um, so it's easy enough to remember and of course this week it gets very particular uh, for those of us praying the, um, the Psalter and using the Psalter or the Liturgy of the Hours because from Thursday it is it is very fixed because we're entering into the, 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 the week before Christmas and the, in particular we have the O Antiphons which will be used before the Magnificat and during evening prayer they're the Antiphons before the Magnificat and most people you, you'd say to me Shane what are the O Antiphons John if you know the song O Come O Come Emmanuel well, um, you know the O antiphons because they make up pretty much the verses to the that 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 song. So, looking at the liturg- looking at the liturgical calendar for the coming couple of days, Monday the fourteenth of December is the feast day of Saint John of the Cross, great of course Carmelite, Spanish mystic, poet. Uh, his writings um, are one of those uh, of the of, of of great Spanish classical Spanish. He lived between four, 1542 and fifteen ninety one. Uh, a man who was a spiritual director to St. Teresa of Avila f- for a while. Could you imagine having that job? Uh, led the reform within his own, the, within the, the friars, the Carmelite friars, and received huge opposition for that and even was imprisoned and threatened with death. Um, and then he was a man very much of prayer, poet, as I said, and a spiritual writer. And he's one of the doctors of the church because of his writings. Not the easiest thing in the world to pick up. Uh, you know, if you were exploring mystics and spirituality, John of the Cross wouldn't be the first person you'd dive into. It's not the easiest thing in the world to read. But of course, very much associated with that image of the um, the ascent of Mount Carmel, but also the the, the night of the soul, this the spiritual darkness that people sometimes encounter when they feel abandoned by God. On the 15th of December, we have the, the day of, we have a feast day set aside for Blessed Ramon Aaron Mayo. Now, the only reason I went with him was because of his name, Aaron Mayo. It was an interesting one. He's absolutely no connection to Ireland or to County Mayo. He was, a, he's a Salesian Blessed, a member of the Salesians, took his vows in October 1930. 
uh, studied in Italy, taught in Madrid, and then during the Spanish Civil War, he worked in a hospital after his school was closed down and he was captured by the anti-Christian forces and martyred. He was shot to death in 1936 in Madrid and he was beatified by Benedict XVI in 2007. Then on Wednesday, the 16th of December, we have the feast day of St. Bioc, I think is how you pronounce the man's name. An Irish uh, saint, we don't know a whole lot about him. He's associated with the monastery on Loch Derg in Donegal, which now, when I look these up, I, there's a particular site I go to and it, it, this is what it said. It founded a monastery on the island in Loch Derg, Donegal, Ireland, a site famous for barefoot pilgrimages that continue to this day. Now, the only island that I know that has barefoot pilgrimages in Donegal is St. Pat- Patrick's Purgatory, which we all know as Loch Derg. Mm-hmm. So this man is associated with the monastery on that particular island. Then on uh, Thursday, the 17th of December, so this time I've gone east and we're looking at the feast day of St. Saint- Olympias of Constantinople. She was a f- uh, born to a wealthy family in Constantinople, which is now modern-day Istanbul in Turkey. Offered as a child, married to the prefect of the city, widowed at an early age, and she devoted herself to the church. Led a non-cloistered group of women in prayer and very much involved with charity to the extent that her friend St. John Chrysostom told her she was overdoing it. <clears throat> in 404 AD, due to her support, her support of St. John Chrysostom, she was persecuted, her community disbanded, her house was seized and she spent the rest of her days in exile and she died in 408 in Nicomedia following a long illness. Friday is the feast day of St. Flannan, very much of course associated with the Diocese of Killaloo. And St. Flannan is, um, of course, as we know, St. Flannan's Cathedral is there in, in Killaloo. Uh, St. Flannan, excuse me, <clears throat> he lived in the 7th century and was the son of a king of Thomond. He entered Malua's monastery at Killaloo and became abbot there, and he's remembered as being a great preacher. And then on Saturday, the 19th of December, we have the feast day of St. Athanasius, At, At, Anas, Anasius, excuse me, the first. He is a, a papal saint. He's one of the popes. Uh, died in 402 of natural causes. All we know of him is that he was a pious as a youth, cared nothing for material things. He was elected Pope and dealt with various heresies, including the heretical writings of Origen and Donatism, fought against the heresy of Donatism. And he was a friend of St. Augustine of Hippo, St. Jerome and St. Paulinus of Nola. So that's what we have, John, in terms of the celestial guides for this week. Now, just a reminder to people, when we talk about the liturgical calendar each week, we're obviously looking at what we call liturgical time, kairos moments, moments when we're given to encounter the divine. And I suppose just a reminder to people, there's a lot of talk and conversation at the moment about the panic about masses for Christmas, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And next week, we hope to have Father Frank Duhigg on from Newcastle West, who's going to tell us how Newcastle is going to deal with that particular event over the number of days. One thing I suppose I would like to say to listeners this morning, and particularly to older listeners and just people wondering what they're going to do for Christmas Day, and it's a bit of a reminder to people that... One of the things we have to remember is that Christmas is not just a particular day. 
it's not just Christmas Eve, it's not just the Midnight Mass, it's not just Christmas Day. Christmas, when we celebrate it in a liturgical context, when we celebrate it with the church, is spread over a number of days. And we know this ourselves. We used to have the tradition of the 12 days of Christmas. And in the liturgical calendar, we talk about the octave of Christmas, which is the eight days from Christmas Eve afterwards. And it's an important thing for people to bear in mind, because what it means is what we do liturgically is we stop time. So each day that you go to Mass after Christmas Day for eight days, we are still celebrating the Mass and we're still celebrating the festival of Christmas Day. That's what the Church does in her liturgy. And after all, that is the reason for the season, as they say. So it's just for people to be aware of it and to be conscious of it, that there is no panic to go to Mass itself on Christmas night, on, on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, because obviously there is going to be restrictions on the numbers of people that can go in, physically be present in the church buildings. And for people very much to be aware of that, to be conscious of it, that there's going to be difficulties with stewarding and that it's going to require patience from everyone that's going to be involved. So what we would say to people, we would join our voices with, you know, with parishes across the diocese that are saying to people, you can stagger when you get your Christmas mass. It can be going out over a number of couple of days and to be very conscious of it. And also just to remind people that the the, the advice from the Bishop's Conference and also from Bishop Brendan Leahy is the obligation to attend Mass is still suspended because of the pandemic because of the fact that we still have to maintain social distancing. So just to say to people again, just to remind people to be conscious about it. It may be different. It may feel strange. But remember, one of the reasons that we go to Mass at Christmas is to celebrate the birth of the Christ child. And we are called to be present to each other in a particular way, in a call to generosity, to imitate that generosity of God to each one of us. Liturgically, as a praying community, as a church community, we stretch that celebration out over eight days. We do that anyway. We have done it for millennia. The Christmas octave is one of the greatest octaves we have in the church's calendar. And I would say to people, just to bear that in mind, you can still go to the church during Christmas Day if you want to take the children down or the grandkids down, you want to go and visit the crib, say your prayers before, reflect on the incarnation or the mystery of the crib and pick up your piece of straw if that's what you still want to do. But make it an event during the day with the kids. Make an event with the grandkids that there is no panic to go that morning to get to Mass. It would be you know, probably better for us if you can't go to gather as a family around the radio or around the computer, wherever you're tuning into Mass that particular time, to watch the Pope at 11 o'clock and participate in the Urbi et Urbi message that will be broadcast that day. But what we're saying to people this year, we are asked to give a gift of to each other, a gift of time, a gift of space and not to be worried and panicking about trying to get into churches on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and to be aware and conscious of the work that parishes, pastoral councils and volunteers are trying to do on those particular days. Stretch it out. There's no panic, folks. Remember, we celebrate liturgically what we celebrate on Christmas Day. Spread it out over the eight days. Go to Mass on one of those eight days. And that could be your gift to your parish community this Christmas. Shane, thank you very much indeed for that. A very important piece of information. So, actually, there's a few announcements I just want to make today. Uh, early on during the week, I did speak with Father Seamus Enright, who is a rector of Mount St. Alphonsus Redemptive Church in Limerick, who um, spoke to me about a few events that they've got coming up. So let's, let's hear what Father Seamus has to say now. 
So now I'd like to welcome back again Father Seamus Enright, um, the rector of Mount St. Alphonsus Church here in Limerick. And Father Seamus is going to advise us this morning on two events that are coming up in the near future. Father Seamus, what have you got to, join, to say to us? Uh, John, thank you for having me back on the programme. It's always a privilege. John, I want to say a word about our Christmas mission and then about our Christmas hamper appeal, if I may. So I'll start with the Christmas mission. We have had a mission in the lead up to Christmas now for many years. So this year it will be December the 14th to the 18th. And the daily masses are at 8, at 10 and at 7.15 in the evening. And the preacher is Father Lawrence Gallagher. And it will be live in the church, of course, but it will also be streamed on novena.ie. So that's the Christmas mission, novena.ie, December the 14th to the 18th. So that's starting tomorrow and continuing on until next Friday. Yes, starting tomorrow and continuing until Friday. And we just think it's an opportunity for people um, to take a little bit of time out in the run-up to Christmas, that Advent is all about preparing um, for the coming of Jesus, but we can become very busy and very preoccupied about other things, good things, good things in themselves. But it's good, I think, to press the pause button. So I think our mission allows people an opportunity to do that. And, of course, you can do it in the comfort of your own home on novena.ie. So that's the Christmas mission. Uh, John, the second thing, of course, I want to say a word about is our annual Christmas hamper appeal. Um, This has been going on now since 1972. And the aim has always been to have food on every table in Limerick, city and county, on, on Christmas Day, and the appeal is going well. Thank God people continue to be generous. Um, the food was delivered during the week. I have a bill now here in front of me for €165,000 for the food. Our volunteers have started packing, and the distribution will begin this coming week. So if people would like to support the appeal, there and if they're in Limerick, Um, In the lead up to Christmas, there's a drop-in centre in the monastery. People can call in and make their donation. Um, Cash is particularly welcome, but we're also open to receiving food and toys, but they need to be new toys and toiletries. Toiletries are especially welcomed by the charities working with homeless people. Or people could mail their donations to me, and lots of people are doing that. People could mail checks or postal orders to me, Seamus Enright, at the Redemptress in Limerick. Um, I think that'll get me, actually, but Seamus Enright, Mount St. Alphonsus Limerick will will get get me as well. So people have been very generous over the years, and I'm presuming that people will continue to be generous because the partner groups with whom we work, the homeless charities, the Vincent de Paul Society and other groups, they're all telling us that the needs are actually greater this year than they ever were. So um, an opportunity there for people, I think, to be... Um, that little bit more generous at Christmas this year. Father Seamus, thanks a lot for letting us know that. And also thanks a lot for all the work that your community is doing on our behalf to help those who really can't do it themselves. In the meantime, have a lovely Christmas. God bless you. John, John, thank you very much for having me on the programme. And may I just wish a happy and a blessed Christmas to all your listeners, including my own relatives spread across West Limerick. So thanks, John. So, thanks again to Father Shamus for letting us know of those two events. Uh, the only other notice that I just want to bring to people's attention myself is the availability of confession. The availability of confession um, is in Newcastle West Church from 2pm to 4pm 
of a Saturday, every Saturday, 2pm to 4pm. Uh, they're heard in the western porch of Newcastle West Church. So if you go in by the side door uh, from the car park side and just walk straight through past the sanctuary, uh, it's in the porch on the far side between 2 and 4pm. Spiritual communal prayer is a prayer we always pray uh, when we can't receive Jesus sacramentally at Mass. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So now we'll go for our first bit of music this morning. And again, uh, this is a little piece of tasting music. And this one is entitled In the Lord I Will Be Ever Grateful a bit of tasty music In the Lord I'll Be Ever Grateful so come back and join us in part two where Martina Lahan Sheehan is going to share a reflection for us on the third Sunday in Advent
So welcome back again, listeners, to Sacred Space 102FM. My name is John Keeley, coming from our Common Sea studio here in Ada. And at this point of the programme, I'd like to welcome back again a good friend of the programme, someone who's been very kind to us, launched a book more recently, uh, Trellis for the Soul. Welcome to the programme again, Martina Lahan Sheehan. Good morning, how are you? Good morning, John. I'm very good. Thanks for joining us. So, Martina, you again uh, said that you would share with us what your thoughts might be on this, the third Sunday in Advent. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're still in the Advent space. I know uh, the world and culture and so on is moving us into Christmas <laughs> and it's uh, Advent gets squeezed out very easily, particularly even at this late stage, I suppose people are uh, thinking that Christmas is here and it's all around us. But we are still in a, in, a, in the Advent space and Advent is such a beautiful season. It is really worth uh, reminding ourselves of uh, this beautiful opportunity to create space, to listen, uh, to wait, to still wait, um, but, and also to recognize that this great Christmas mystery, this incarnation, this birth, isn't just something historic. It's something that is also happening in our hearts. The great Christian mystic Meister Eckhart uh, advises us, he says, of what avail is it if the birth of Christ is only historical, it isn't also happening in your heart and in my heart. So I suppose that's the challenge, is to stay with the heart and to see what is, you know, where is there something new being born in your heart, in my heart, as Christmas um, approaches. And, and in order for that to happen, I think we have to make space. And what we're making space for, really, is we're making space for joy, the kind of joy that the gospel offers us and the kind of joy that the birth of Christ um, is all about. And Pope Francis, you know, speaks about joy uh, a lot. In fact, he says, be careful of people who preach the gospel who continue to be sour puzzles. So that's something we all have to guard against, becoming sour puzzles, becoming too serious about the whole thing. Because this beautiful mystery that we're entering into in Advent and pre-Christmas is about joy. It's about the, the birth of the Christ child and the birth of a new joy. And that isn't something we get from outer circumstances. It isn't going to come even from the perfect Christmas party. When January comes, none of us will be looking back saying, God, I should have done the plum pudding different for Christmas, or I should have done the, the trimmings, the turkey. None of those will even be in our consciousness. But the moments of joy will be. The moments when the heart was open, when we connected deeply with one another, when we connected deeply with the spirit uh, moving within us. So, you know, Advent is about preparation. And uh, John the Baptist continually talks about prepare the way. And, of course, he's talking about prepare the way in the heart. Create a desert space in the heart. John the Baptist was a desert space. And he's saying prepare the way in the heart. Well, this waiting isn't uh, a sort of passive activity. It isn't... Uh, that we're just waiting, assigning away our responsibility. 
No, our waiting is quite um, intentional and quite active. We are intentionally and vigilantly listening for sight and sound and movement of the spirit. And it's a, a listening where we're asked to respond, to respond, to co-create what the Spirit is doing in us. You know, many of us remember the transistor radio of the past when we would be looking for the radio station, probably Luxembourg. And we remember that if we turn the wheel a little bit, maybe too far in one direction, a foreign station will come in. It might be a French station or or if we turn it a little bit too far to the other side, some other station will come in. And we will just have to adjust it very carefully to get a clear signal, the, the Luxembourg signal. And I think our, our Advent listening is similar. We have to adjust our antennae to be tuned in to the spirit. Because there are many, many foreign stations and many distractions coming in and very loud messages that tell us that our happiness will come from an external perfect Christmas. And of course it won't. I think a couple of years ago, uh, I shared in this program about my mother died on Christmas night. And people used to say to me, you'll never enjoy Christmas again. And that's a really, that's not true, you know, that even though it was heartbreaking, there were moments deep moments of connection, deep moments of the heart, even in the midst of great sorrow. So this idea that this perfect Christmas, particularly this year, you know, we've heard um, media saying, you know, we, we must have Christmas and it's all about what we must buy at Christmas, you know. And of course, this Christmas will be different <clears throat> for many of us, for, for all of us, really, because we're still within, we will still be within restrictions. But that does not mean that our joy can be limited. That does not mean that the Christmas gift and the Christmas mystery can still fill our hearts. In fact, maybe even more so when other things are stripped away. So, you know, scripture is full of this um, going deeper and listening with, with the open ear. In Psalm 39, verse 6, you do not ask for sacrifice and offering, but an open ear. So this open ear listening. And in fact, in Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah is a, like a beautiful book of poetry in the Old Testament. And it says, listen, and you will have good things to eat and rich foods to enjoy. And we're hearing many advertisements about what we must buy, you know, to have good things to eat and rich foods to enjoy. But, of course, spiritually, there are other foods that fill the heart, other beauty that can arrive and fill us to overflowing. And perhaps gratitude is the greatest uh, disposition we can bring into this season. Gratitude, even, you know, looking out as, as we're talking here and I'm seeing a little soft shaft of light coming in through the window and just dancing off the, off the, the table here. And that can bring gratitude. You know, the, the look of light in somebody's eye can bring gratitude. The, the first sip of tea or coffee in the morning can bring gratitude. So reminding ourselves to come back to the present moment, 
to to arrive back in that place where where the mystery is reaching us and speaking to us and calling us into newness. So I really think it would be a lost opportunity if we didn't take a few moments, you know, to take a breath, maybe to read a line of Sam, listen carefully, or read a line of the gospel in, in Exodus, listen carefully to the voice of God, we're told, Exodus 15, verse 26, and to listen so that we're listening for the new, the new birth happening within you, within me, um, and it sort of breaks all those old stories that we carry around in our heads, the worries, the, the what ifs and the if onlys that wear us out. And, you know, most of us have been living a very vigilant year this, this year, this 2020, um, and worrying about all sorts of things and living within restrictions. So our nervous systems are exhausted. Uh, our nervous systems are exhausted from being on alert uh, in a very different way to the kind of alert that Advent is really inviting us into. We have been alert with fear, fear of virus, fear of, of um, economic downfall, fear of restriction and so on. But Advent is saying, be vigilant or you never know the day or the hour. Now, we might think that is scary. But actually, you never know the day or the hour could be wonderfully exciting. You never know the day or the hour when you see something new, when you see yourself in a new way, when you see yourself as God sees you. And that's the most joyful moment of all. So maybe that could be our little message as we uh, still stay in the Advent space and open to know that you are looked at with delight. Well, let's take that into our Advent and re reflection. You are looked at with light. Sharing such a, such a lovely, beautiful reflection for us, giving us those thoughts and maybe making space and listening and tuning in and gratitude. And look at ourselves anew. Thank you so much for those lovely thoughts to take us for these last few days left in Advent and preparing for that wonderful, that wonderful event, the wonderful feast of Christmas. So, Martina, maybe at this stage, just before you do leave us, um, have you got a piece of music, a choice of music you'd like us to play this morning? Yeah, perhaps. Well, just this morning we were talking here uh, at home just about this beautiful season, and uh, Pat sings a song called "When Love Was Born." And it is a, it's about, uh, it's really about the mystery of Christmas and how everything changes if we believe that it is about love. So it's about the night when love was born. So um, maybe that would be a nice uh, pre-Christmas piece. Well, yourself and Pat uh, enjoy all the blessings this Christmas. And thank you so much again for sharing with us here in Sacred Space. Thank you, Jack. Shines. The night is still 
shepherd's wool in from a hill I close my eyes and see the night when love was born a perfect child Gently waits A mother bends To kiss God's face I close my eyes And see the night When love was born They sing Hallelujah He is Christ Our King He is Christ Our of peace love came down from you and me heaven's gift the holy spark to light the way inside our hearts Bethlehem Drew a small voice Came the hope We've waited for The world was changed Forevermore When love was born Angels fill the midnight sky They sing Hallelujah He is Christ our King He is Christ our
So welcome back again to the third part of Common Sense of Sacred Space 102 FM. My name is John Keeley, still joined by Shane Ambrose. And again, we uh, thanks to Martin Alahan-Shane for, uh, again, feeding us with, with some lovely thoughts and reflection to take away with us as we journey, make, make our way through this season of Advent. Now, this part of the programme is we read and reflect on the Word of God, the Sunday Gospel. And this week, before we do that, we again ask Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your Word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this Father in union with Mary who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Sean. So the Gospel for today, the third Sunday in Advent, is taken from the Gospel of John. A man came sent by God. His name was John. He came as a witness, as a witness to speak for the light, so that everyone might believe through him. He was not the light, only a witness to speak for the light. This is how John appeared as a witness. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He not only declared, but he declared quite openly, I am not the Christ. Well, then they asked, Are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We must take back some answer to those who sent us. What have you to say for yourself? So John said, I am as Isaiah prophesied. A voice that cries in the wilderness, Make a straight way for the Lord. Now these men had been sent by the Pharisees, and they put this further question to him. Why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, and not Elijah, and not the prophet? And John replied, I baptize with water. But there stands among you, unknown to you, the one who is coming after me, and I'm not fit to undo his sandal strap. This happened to Bethany, on the far side of the Jordan, where John was baptising. So that's the Gospel for today, the third Sunday in Advent. Shane, you might share some thoughts with us, please? Yes, so this week we diverge uh, slightly into the Gospel of John, and what people will notice over the next couple of months, um, like we said at the start of Advent, we're now going to be journeying through the Gospel of Mark in the next couple of months. But the problem... I suppose liturgically uh, is that the Gospel of Mark is quite short it's only 16 chapters so what the church has to do is it has to supplement the Sunday Gospels um, with other readings from other Gospels and it generally uses the Gospel of John so this Sunday we have the Gospel of John and of course in particular we have extracts from that famous prologue the beginning of the Gospel of John and that, you know, John's gospel, um, like we said in the program before, is very much, it's, a, it's a, a gospel that came out of a particular theological focus. It was written much later than the other three synoptics. And it has a particular way of presenting its message about the 
life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's very much presented as presenting Jesus as very much what it's what they call a high Christology. It's a, the, the terminology that's used. It's very much presenting Jesus as you know up there, kind of as God fulfilling uh, fulfilling his 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 role in our journey of salvation. So the gospel this morning deals with the beginning, and it talks about the role of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is given actually he's given a bit more depth in this week's gospel than he was in last week's with 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 um, Saint Mark, where it was a matter of only a couple of minutes. But both of them pick up, of course, on the prophecy of Isaiah. And, um, you know, it's very much a case of who are you and what are you and where are you? And that line that's there, I am, as, as Isaiah prophesied, a voice that cries in the wilderness, make a straight way for the Lord. Now, looking at the way it's presented to us, of course, what is the whole idea? John is very much presented to us as the forerunner, the herald, the person that's the linkage between the Old and the New Testament, who is announcing the way of the Lord. He was a great man, but a humble man. And he was the one who said very much, you know, he knew the greatness of Jesus, uh, but he directed, you know, but he directed them to Jesus because he knew what his own role was to be. And I suppose the question for us is, what does it mean for us if we hear John's voice calling out to us in our world today? And who are the John the Baptists that kind of, you know, challenge us in, in, in what we do? And it's for the language that's used by St. John, the evangelist, writing his gospel about John the Baptist is quite important. You know, he came as a witness, as a witness to speak for the light. He was not the light, only a witness to speak for the light. And it's an important thing to distinguish that they, the distinction that they make again and again. And of course, when we talk about light, very much for us here in the Northern Hemisphere, when we talk about Christmas, it's very much focused on Christmas as a season of light, Advent as you know, lighting the candles. And it's very much intertwined because, of course, this is the dark time of the year for us because it is winter and the sunlight, the sunlight isn't as, as it was during the height of the summer. Uh, but of course, that, that whole symbolism that Christ is the light of the world, linking very much back into that idea and of course, we we have it here. At, we have it here at, at 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 Advent. We have it at Christmas. We have it at Candlemas. We have it at Easter. At Christ, the Light of the World. But in the point that John is making in his gospel at the beginning is that John the Baptist was the witness for that light. And you know, again, he stresses John appears as a witness. And John, of course, is challenged. He's challenged now. The terminology that John the Evangelist uses is when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to question him. And the interesting thing, and when you're reading John's gospel, you must always remember and take into account that we're sp- talking here about the leadership of the Jewish community at that time. Um, just you know that, that you're aware of that, and it's not seen in a in an anti-Semitic kind of a way. And they ask him, "Who are you?" Well, obviously enough, if you've got this guy standing up in the desert and the crowds are going out to him, like, you know, the challenge is there. Who are you? What are you? What's your sign? How dare you do this? And again, John emphasizes, I am not the Christ. And they ask him, are you Elijah? Now, the whole thing about Elijah, Elijah was supposed to come a second time. And even to this day, the Jews believe that Elijah will come will come before the return of the Messiah. And if and in, in observant Jewish houses, when they celebrate the Passover, there is an empty chair for Elijah at the table. And John says, no, they says, I am not Elijah. He says, I am the voice that cries in the wilderness. And then they say to him, why are you baptizing? What is your sign? And that is, of course, one of the things that we have in our world, in our society today. When someone challenges us and when someone, you know, forces us to think, we often say, well, who the hell do you think you are? We're great at it in Ireland, actually. Um, 
I, as a nation, as a country, we're great at the kind of knocking people down. Asher, do you know where he came from and who does he think he is standing up to tell us all about it? And, um, you know, so that, that question that arises. But looking at the Sunday Gospel, what is it that it, 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 it questions about today, questions us about today? And it's the whole idea of where are we in our Advent journey? You know, the voice that cries in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. How well are we doing that? You know, where are we in that particular preparation? Now, I'm not talking about the preparation for Christmas dinner. I'm not talking about the panic of your Christmas shopping. I am not talking about, did you put up the Christmas tree yet? Some houses we haven't done it and there's no panic. You know, the question is spiritually, how are we preparing to celebrate the Christmas season? And I think for us this year, that's as, as Father Chris O'Donnell said to us at the, on our program on the first Sunday of Advent, it's a time for a time out. You know, we, 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 we kind of need to sit and see how are we doing, you know? Have you asked yourself, have you sat, sat down and taken that moment of the divine and said to yourself, how am I actually doing? We're so busy wondering about the things that are going on, trying to prepare for Christmas, looking at all the numbers and the restrictions and everything else. But one of the things that we need to do and which Advent offers us the opportunity to do is to pause and to stand back from it and just to ask yourself, how am I? And to have that conversation with God in terms, you know, that this moment, this opportunity, this retreat time, if you like. Because one of the things we have to remember individually, collectively, as a family, as villages, as communities, that the last couple of months have been very trying for people, have been very stressful for people. And you need to recognize that even though you don't feel stressed, even though you mightn't think you're stressed, your body is stressed. You are mentally, psychologically stressed. And that is the beauty that Advent asks us this way. Prepare a way for the Lord. Take your time. Take a moment to sit aside for the Lord, no matter what it is, no matter how little it is. One thing I'd say to people, if you're trying to say, well, Shane, when can I do it? I struggle. Uh, I struggle to find my time. John, I think you'd agree finding the time is a little difficult. <laughs> you know? So, but one thing I would say to people is at the minute, um, if you are awake around seven, seven, between seven and a half, seven in the morning and you open the windows of your bedroom and you're looking out and you watch the dawn, because that's generally when, the, when things start to lighten up. It's generally dark until then. And you can just see the purple blush of light across the sky. And I would defy you not to see the divine working his paintbrush across the sky and, you know, to see and to observe those moments or to take a minute, you know, to observe the birds that are going around, particularly if you have um, what you call them, bird tables, and particularly if you're feeding the birds at the moment, just to sit and watch them. I challenge you not to see the master's hand in those and see where that dialogue takes you. We are called each Sunday and during Lent, or during Advent, I beg your pardon, prepare a way for the Lord. John the Baptist reminds us what it is. He was the precursor. He was the herald. He was the forerunner of Jesus. And he calls us even now, make straight a way for the Lord. You know, the challenge that's there is he baptized with water, but there is one is coming after me and I am not fit to undo his, stand, his sandal strap. And that is, the cha- that is the reminder that is there for us. The Lord is coming. Maranatha. Shane, thank you so much indeed for that, for sharing that with us. 
little thought that I had myself there on today's gospel. Um, taking from that first line, a man came sent by God. And I went on to think about it, just, just imagine, a bit like Shane just mentioned there, God has created all of us. He's placed us where we are, where we work, who we connect with. It's worth repeating that again because I think we, we sometimes don't take that on board. God created us. He created Shane and John and Mary and Joe. He chose who our parents are, were going to be, where we live, who our neighbours are, what gifts we got, what talents we got, what abilities we have. But, but as the opening line of this week's gospel, we could read, we have been, we have been sent by God with a toolbox, so to speak. God has sent us to where we are for a reason, to live out our lives as a witness to his light, witness to his values. We could ask ourselves in this time of preparation for the birth of Jesus at Christmas, and Shane said, how am I doing? How am I doing in witnessing to Jesus and to his values? What can I do as I live my life to make a straight way for the Lord in this time? So with that, uh, we're looking for this week. Uh, thanks a lot, Shane, for, for sharing with me this morning. And again, of course, our thanks again to uh, ever grateful to our good friend, Martina Lahanshin, for, sh- for sharing with us. And of course, Father, Father Seamus advising us of the Christmas mission that starts tomorrow. So now that about finishes the end of our programme today, thanks a lot indeed for, for sharing your time with us. We're going with our final piece of music this morning. And this one is entitled A Voice Cries Out by Michael Jonkers. So next week, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye.